0: I'm David Kasher, a rabbi at IKAR in Los Angeles, and together we're going to study the weekly Torah portion of the Parsha and figure out why the Torah really is the best book ever. How did you spend your last Yom Kippur? Did you run around the country blowing a trumpet and screaming, freedom! And did you go out and release slaves from bondage? And then, did you pick up and move back to the country your grandparents were born in? If not, and by the standard of this week's Torah reading, you may have been doing it wrong. To see what I mean, we're gonna have to take a few steps back. So, Parshat Bahar, which is toward the end of the book of Leviticus, Deals almost exclusively with Yovel, the Jubilee year. But in order to explain the Jubilee, we first have to talk about Shemitah, the sabbatical year. So the Parsha begins by explaining that once the children of Israel get to the Promised Land, Kitavo El Haaretz, it says, every seventh year they are prohibited to work the land for an entire year. So no farming for a whole year. You have to let the land rest. And the poor are allowed to come and eat whatever they want from what grows naturally. That's already a pretty radical idea, but it gets even more so. Because Shemitah is called Shabbat Lashem, a Shabbat of the eternal. Shabbat, the seventh day, is the day when we remember the creation story because God rested on the seventh day. And just like the weekly Shabbat is on the seventh day, this Shabbat is in the seventh year. And in following that pattern, Shemitah is using the number seven as a cue to acknowledge that the world comes from God. But then Shemitah adds a thought. The world comes from God. So ultimately it belongs to God and not to us ki liha haaretz, the Torah says, for the land is mine, ki gerim v'toshavim temi madi, and you are but strangers dwelling here with me. Think about that for a minute. No one owns any land, really. Property is a fiction, because God claims all the earth, and we're just strangers here, just passing through. The Torah wants us to consider that, to reflect on that idea once every seven years for a whole year as people wander through our fields and take whatever they need. But then the Jubilee comes and ups the ante because the same pattern continues. And after every seven times seven years, there's an additional extra special year in the cycle. And that's the Jubilee. And this is how the Torah describes it. vahavarta shofar trua. Then you shall blast the sound of the shofar. In the seventh month, on the 10th day of the month, on the day of atonement, you shall have the shofar sounded throughout your land and you shall sanctify the 50th year. And you shall proclaim freedom throughout the land, for all its inhabitants. It shall be a Jubilee for you. Each of you shall return to your family's ancestral land. So, All of this seems like a great celebration. The blowing of the shofar, the freeing of all who are in servitude, and, and this is a big one, everyone has to move back to the land where their family came from, and all purchased property must be returned. It's basically like pushing the restart button on society. But there's one rather unusual detail in there. When does all this happen? On Yom Kippurim the Day of Atonement, what we call Yom Kippur. So, that's my question. Why Yom Kippur? Because, actually, I would have thought this might be the last day you'd choose to begin these major festivities. The obvious choice, I would think, would have been Rosh Hashanah, which is the first of the month to start this new year-long celebration. Not to mention that on Rosh Hashanah, there's already a blowing of the shofar but certainly not Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is no time for a party. This is a day when, we learned this just a couple of chapters ago, we're supposed to afflict ourselves. The the day we confess all our sins and we hope for forgiveness. That's the Yom Kippur I know. That's the Yom Kippur we still keep today. There are some joyous elements to it, sure. Especially at Ikar, you should come sometime but I still wouldn't call it a Jubilee. So why does the Torah designate Yom Kippur, this day of suffering as the beginning of the Jubilee, this year of celebration? Because I'm asking sort of a conceptual question here, I wanna turn to two of the most conceptual thinkers I know, two 16th century rabbis from the great city of Prague, the Maharal, and the Kliakar. I once went to Prague, and in the cemetery in the old Jewish quarter, I visited both their graves. And it was an incredibly moving experience for me. And just to think that these two rabbis who lived in the same city hundreds of years ago would end up having such a profound effect on me and on my spiritual life. Now, even though they both served as chief rabbis of Prague and shared some of the same students, I think, I don't believe they ever actually studied or worked together. I've never made that connection anyway, so somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But they definitely breathed in some of the same philosophical atmosphere that was around them at the time, and they share some stylistic traits. They both have this way of taking particular images drawn from a particular narrative and abstracting them down to some core conceptual structure in order to try and get at their essence. So let's start with an example of that kind of work from the latter thinker, my favorite of the classic Torah commentators, Rabbi Shlomo Ephraim Lunshitz, whose commentary is called the Kliakar, literally the precious vessel. Here's what he says. The Jubilee is specifically on Yom Kippur, by Yom Kippurim Dafka, because Yom Kippur Two is a time of freedom. Freedom from the old foolish king, that vengeful enemy, the great adversary, our evil inclination, Yetzir Hara. Like the Jubilee, he says, Yom Kippur is also about freedom. A freedom from our worst behaviors and most torturous desires and all the suffering that they bring to our lives. And if that's so, that Yom Kippur is a day of personal liberation, then it makes some sense that every 50 years, it's Yom Kippur that becomes a time to commemorate and embrace freedom for all. Okay, so keep that in mind, and now let's add another connection. This one from Rabbi Yehuda Loew, whom we call the Maharal. He's famous from the legend of his having created the Golem, but he's truly one of the greatest philosophers in Jewish history, Operating somewhere between rationalism and mysticism. And again, a truly conceptual thinker. So here's what he says about our very celebratory Jubilee Yom Kippur. The reason that the Jubilee begins with Yom Kippur is known to people of deep understanding, Hamevinim. For the Jubilee and Yom Kippur are both actually one thing. Shnehem Davar Echad. For in the Jubilee, everything returns to its original place to be like it once was. And so it is on Yom Kippur. Everything returns to its original place when God forgives them and they return to their original state of being. Okay, so it's no wonder that the Jubilee is proclaimed on Yom Kippur, says the Maharal, because the very essence of Yom Kippur, its major theme is not suffering, but return. Tshuva, a return to who we once were, a return to who we really are before we sinned, before we complicated and muddled things. Likewise, the Jubilee also causes us to return, not merely as individuals, but as a society to go back to some original state of things. The sabbatical year itself with its unregulated natural growth harkens back to the Garden of Eden. And then the Jubilee picks up the theme by returning human beings back to the, the place where we came from, back to our simple origins, back to our ancestral homelands before property and migration complicated and muddled things. Both Yom Kippur and the Jubilee year, then, are meant to allow for the same movement, a return to innocence, a freedom from the burdens that we inevitably take upon ourselves as we move about in the world of ambition and transaction. And some of these burdens will be spiritual, the compromises we make that will come to weigh heavily on our souls. And others will be social, the worries that accompany the stuff we amass and the power we seek to maintain. Let it all go, the Torah is urging us. Let it all go free, and let everyone go free. And you shall sanctify the 50th year, and you shall proclaim freedom throughout the land for all its inhabitants. Yovel hi It will be a jubilee for all of you. That's the Yom Kippur of Parshat Bahar. And though it only happened once every 50 years, there's surely some part of its message that we're meant to take into our Yom Kippur experience every year, so that it isn't just about fasting and suffering and mumbling endless petitions, but about some great liberation from what is and a return to what was. Perhaps it's with the joyous Jubilee Yom Kippur in mind that we read, every Yom Kippur, the Haftarah, this passage from Isaiah. Is such the fast I desire, a day for people to starve their bodies, bowing their heads like a reed and lying in sackcloth and ashes? Do you call that a fast, halazetikratzom, a day when God is pleased? No, this is the fast I desire, to unlock the fetters of wickedness and untie the cords of the yoke to let the oppressed go free, to break off every yoke. The Jubilee year is teaching us that Yom Kippur is less about afflicting our souls than it is about liberating them. And it's radical message for us is that the only way to be free ourselves is to liberate everyone. When we learn that lesson, then we will have cause, not just on the 50th year, but every Yom Kippur for joy in jubilation. Best Book Ever was produced by Ben Cooley and edited by Vera Blossom, and our theme song is Pete by Hillel Tigay. You can listen to more of his beautiful music on iTunes and Spotify. And while you're there, why not subscribe to Best Book Ever, if you haven't already. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and our work, you can visit us at ecar.org and donate or Venmo us at ecarla. That's I-K-A-R-L-A. Thanks a lot and see you next week.